I'm Danny Kelly, host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. And from now until the draft, we are turning our feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show to talk all things draft with me, Danny Heifetz, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. Check us out on Tuesdays and Thursdays and search the Ringer NFL Draft Show. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It is Monday, March 20th. The third season of The Mandalorian premiered a couple weeks ago, and the initial viewership number is not great. Down more than 20% from season two, according to preliminary numbers from Samba TV, which is admittedly early, not the more accepted viewership we'll get from Nielsen in a couple weeks. But the social engagement numbers were also down, and it was also lower than Book of Boba Fett, much lower than Obi-Wan Kenobi. Got me thinking about franchises. The conventional wisdom in Hollywood lately, and really for the past 20 years, has been, if it's a hit, let's franchise it. Spinoffs, sequels, prequels, universes. Let's de-risk our slate with familiar titles. Give the audience what it already wants. Easy call. But there's a limit. Or is there? I know I'm way less interested in Mandalorian because I've already seen so much Star Wars in the past year or so. Star Wars is less special to me. As listeners know, I'm a big fan of the challenge on MTV. But it's getting out of control. This year alone, there was the original challenge. There was the challenge USA on CBS where TJ Lavin somehow wears a ridiculous dad wardrobe probably picked by a CBS publicist. The Challenge All-Stars, the Challenge World Championship on Paramount+. Plus. That's just in the U.S. The result is I'm not watching any of it. I'm overwhelmed. This isn't new, of course. Going all the way back to Mork and Mindy spinning out of Happy Days through 75 iterations of 90 Day Fiancé on cable. But franchises have definitely been supercharged in the streaming era. There's so much stuff you got to cut through. That's basically the whole strategy for networks like Showtime and Paramount Plus these days. Lean into any kind of franchise, even something like Billions or Dexter. Make more of it. HBO, even. The bastion of originality is doing spinoffs of the Batman and the It movies. There's a reason these outlets are doing it, of course. The same reason we got a Shazam sequel in theaters last weekend. The third Ant-Man movie. But both of those underperformed, leading some to question if we finally reach peak superhero. I'm not ready to go there yet. Scream 6, Creed 3, Top Gun 2, Avatar 2, all the top 10 movies last year were sequels and spinoffs. Franchises are clearly dominant. But something is definitely happening. If you think about it, most big franchises these days are either in decline, like a Jurassic World or Harry Potter, or plateaued, like Marvel and DC, I'd argue. Very few seem ascendant, despite all these efforts. It begs the question of whether the franchise model is fatiguing a bit. To discuss this, I've got Lucas Shaw, my normal Monday guy, back in here. We're going to get into the state of franchises in film and streaming. What's working, the chinks in the armor, maybe most important, if everything is a franchise exploitation, where are the new franchises coming from? 
From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Lucas Shaw. Lucas, welcome back from South by Southwest. How was it? You know, uh, a week of breakfast tacos and barbecue and uh, and some good movies, some panels, met some cool people. All right. Well, uh, welcome back. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the state of franchises, our favorite topic. They power the industry. And we've had some data points lately that aren't great for franchises. Diminishing returns. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like we the whole business is built on expanding out hits, creating universes. We're seeing it in everything from like the Creed universe that's coming to, you know, all of these Yellowstone shows to in movies. You know, we just had two misfires in the movie superhero franchise genre of franchises. So Ant-Man 3 and Shazam 2 both missed. And, you know, I'm not prepared to say that the franchise model is troubled because obviously there's a reason why everyone is doing it. And that reason is because it works, because audiences have proven over and over again that they will show up for things that they know. And the risk in greenlighting things that people already know is so much less than than greenlighting something that people don't know. But there may be a limit. And that's the question I want to pose to you is, is there a limit in the franchisification of entertainment? Absolutely. Where is that limit? Well, that's if I could answer that question, one of these companies would pay me ten million dollars a year to come and set their their content strategy. No, I mean, I, there's there's clearly some kind of limit, right? I've been very reluctant over the years. Whenever there's this conversation about, oh my god, you know, Marvel fatigue and all that, it's it struck me always kind of as bullshit because it was clear that there was an audience that was going to show up. Yeah. But we're seeing it on the TV side, and we're seeing it with Disney, which has been the one company that sort of been immune and created the blueprint that everyone's trying to copy. Where they just were making or are seem to be making too many Star Wars and, and Marvel projects. And if the problem is that it's not too many, they're not good enough. Yeah, I mean, although Iger said there were too many. Iger, yeah. Bob Iger said recently, maybe we shouldn't have done a third Ant-Man or a fourth Thor, that we need to kind of give some other characters some some breathing room here. Um, that was not a message about quality. That was a message about quantity. Now, he may have been just trying to be nice to Marvel there by saying, listen, these movies need to be better or you need to not have the CGI look like crap. But that's a, an indication that we may see less of the franchise stuff. Do we need three Star Wars shows a year? No. I mean, it seems obvious that the interest in each one goes down, right? Like The Mandalorian comes out and it's it's this moment. It's the launch of Disney+. Plus. Everyone is watching the show. So many people like it. It gets great reviews, all that. And every season, the reviews have gotten slightly worse and the interest in it has gotten slightly less. Um, and in between those new seasons, there have been a ton of new shows. And even one that gets really good reviews like Andor doesn't have huge numbers. There was an, a, a new season or a, a, or a version of, of this one, The Bad Batch, that came out in the first third of this year that I don't think charted on Nielsen more than one or two weeks. Like, that's kind of crazy for a Star Wars show. It's basically getting beat by reruns and, like, second-tier Netflix originals. Um and so that that does not bode well for for the future of Star Wars on Disney Plus, and they need to reboot it a little bit. And it's so funny because Netflix has been desperate for franchises. I mean, literally, they're you know buying the rolled rolled doll estate to try to get franchises, and they you know they have 
they rely less on it than Netflix than Disney does. And yet here we see Disney kind of running into problems with some of the franchises. Marvel's the same. I mean, the the diminishing returns on these Marvel shows is a real thing, I think. It's just becoming so commoditized that it's less special when you see one. And I don't know how they fix that. I mean, because that's the whole value proposition of Disney is they have these brands that can throw off four or five versions of a show. Do you abandon that? Or do you somehow move in a different direction while still staying in that Marvel universe. Do you think that the the number of Marvel TV shows has hurt the performance of the Marvel movies? Yeah, I do a little bit. I know I I was not now I am not one of those people that is that says Marvel is in trouble. I think when the Guardians 3 numbers come in in May, it's going to be gigantic. I'm not just saying that cuz I picked it in our draft, but um I I don't I think execution has been a little bit of a problem in this phase of the Marvel movies. It's just not feeling special enough, but I do think that the shows have had something to do with that. The fact that you had to know who these characters were from WandaVision to really get what was going on in Dr. Strange two, that was a problem. And it's so much content that it's becoming harder and harder for a casual fan to drop in on one of these movies, people feel like they are out of the loop. And do do we feel that Kevin Feige, who oversees all things Marvel and has taken more ownership of the TV shows in the last few years, is spread too thin? I mean, I, I listen, if we do an executive draft, and we probably will someday, he's, he's the probably consen- the first yeah, pick. consensus number one. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't think anyone is questioning that. But the mandate from the company has been to exploit this stuff across Disney Plus. And that infamous Bob Chapek press conference where they opened the fire hose and just said, oh, you like Marvel, don't you? Well, look what we got coming from Marvel. And here's We're Star talking Wars. about sort of the second, the, basically the second investor day that they did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the one where everyone was like, what? What are you doing? And these shows are not cheap. These Marvel and Star Wars shows can cost 15, $20 million an episode sometimes. And that I do think it's been the priority to emphasize these these Disney Plus shows, and I I think we're going to see a pullback. Iger has not dropped the hammer yet on what the pullback in Disney content spend is going to look like. And it's when coming he, though, it's coming very soon. I know everybody is waiting for it, but when he does, I think we're going to see what he's basically been teasing, which is less series, more impactful in his mind. And uh, and a real pullback. And it, it, it then begs the question, if more is not better, how do you then make these shows better to exploit the franchise properly in a without going nuts on the number of shows? Yeah. Well, and how do you make if you're going to take that strategy, you need to ensure that each one really stands out and feels special and has marketing and has all of those things that make people want to go and see it, right? Because I think one of the challenges also if you are, when you increase the output is you can't sustain or or spend as much to create attention for that project, right? Because you're, you, you, you just have, you have to spread the same marketing budget across more titles. But the other one, the other thing that's interesting about sort of this moment for Disney is, and you brought it up a little bit with with Netflix, is it's been the model 
for everyone else, right? Like Disney sort of created the modern Hollywood franchise approach and you're seeing Warner Brothers want to try to copy it in its own way with DC. You've seen Universal try to copy it in kind of some weird ways with their their monster universe and uh, what they've done with Fast and a bunch of their other franchises. And we're now seeing it in even kind of sillier ways like the, you know, the, the Billions universe at, at Paramount. Certainly Netflix has tried it in a bunch of different ways. How dare ways. you? How dare you disparage the billion <laughs> cinematic universe? <laughs> I know that you're very excited for hundreds, but... I am, uh, I am. Uh, so the, yeah, I I hear you. I know it's, it, it's a little sad for me to see HBO doing DC shows and, you know, an IT spinoff show. It's 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 almost like they should be better than that, but I get it. They have HBO Max, and they're going to try. If it to... makes you feel better, it won't be HBO doing those projects that much uh, for for that much longer. I don't think. What do you mean? Well, it just won't. I, I take it back. It won't be called HBO, and so maybe it won't feel as weird. Oh, to it's going to that... be Max or whatever. But yeah, but it's yeah. still the HBO content team that has to deal with these shows, and you know maybe they'll be good. Listen, I was a, a doubter on Watchmen, and I ended up loving that show. Um, they just got me to watch a, a nine episode zombie show that I never thought I would watch. So I'm not going to doubt them, but I would, I, it's like HBO should be the place that we don't have to watch a penguin show. And I know I don't have to watch it. And I did not watch peacemaker either, but, uh, the franchise thing has, uh, has crossed into the supposedly, you know, non-franchise universes as well. Um, and I, and I just wonder like, is, is the fact that the industry has gone all in on this for so many years, is this going to reach a breaking point um, or have we already reached that? Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 what, what would be a breaking point, right? Where we just, where it people like, pair- listen, you judge franchises, whether they are going up or going down, right? If you look, talk to the movie people, it's like, is this franchise, is it going in the right direction? What is a franchise that you would say is ascendant right now? Uh, ascendant franchises. Well, because I would say Marvel is sort of steady. It's not yeah. ascendant, but it's not going down. There is DC is still trying to figure itself out. It just had another kind of miserable performance at the box office. Yeah, but they're doing a reset. This was a throwaway movie. Sure, they, they, you know, internally at Warner's, they knew this was going to be sacrificed. Right. So that, but that means that DC is is not ascendant. No, uh, you know, I, you rewind six months, maybe you would have said like even your favorite franchise, the Yellowstone franchise, but that's now got problems that you've written about a lot. Um, I'd still take it if I was any other network. Sure. I would still take the Yellowstone Oh, 100%. Yeah. And so maybe that one still counts as as Ascendant. I mean, a lot of the kids' ones, like obviously we, we talked about on the show, I would take Mario Brothers, given this movie's coming out. That is an Ascendant franchise, sure. assuming it does well. The Sonic the Hedgehog movies, I know we can make fun of them, but they are actually pretty Ascendant. The second one did better than the first, and they're making a third. So that is a kids' franchise that I think is on the way up. I think Scream is fine. I mean, what about like, does Mission Impossible count? Does John Wick count? Are those all Ascendant franchises? Uh, I don't think so because they are hinged on aging Talent. stars. You know, that that they're dependent. What's a John Wick movie without Keanu? And Keanu could say no any day. But aren't they doing a John Wick TV show? Yeah, there are. And they're doing a the Ana de Armas spinoff, Craig, your favorite. So no. there's gonna be there's gonna be uh there's gonna be more John Wick, but do we know if those are gonna be successful? It's untested. The transition from the main 
star of the franchise into something new within that franchise world is very difficult. Creed is a good example of some of a franchise that pulled it off. They transitioned Rocky from one guy to another. And, you know, now we're going to get the Jonathan Majors TV show or spinoff, and we'll see if they can transfer it over to someone else. Um, I don't know if they can. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The point here is franchises have clearly taken over. They are dominant. If I was sitting in an executive chair, I would not hesitate to greenlight a spinoff of something that is already a hit. And that has not changed. The long-term question, and I think this is a more esoteric question, is what happens when everything is a franchise? Where are the new franchises? Or do you just remake and spin off perpetually in a you know, downward spiral until everything is DC, Marvel, Super Mario Brothers. Well, these these places are, well, maybe not Disney, but most of these companies are still making new projects. And if I had to bet on what the next new franchise would be, it wouldn't be one of the obvious choices. It would, it, you know, L- Lord of the Rings is an example of a franchise that feels kind of tired to me. Like, right, they can keep making the show at Amazon and maybe mm-hmm. some spinoffs and they can make the movies at Warner Brothers and God knows what else is in the pipeline. But that one feels like something where we like we all kind of need a Lord of the Rings break. Yeah, but you know what? David Zasloff at Warner Discovery was you know frothing at the mouth to be able to announce new Lord of the Rings movies because he knows that that's going to get investors and people who might want to buy his company excited about the 10 Lord of the Rings movies that they may make. He said, even said it, this could be our Star Wars. Sure. Um, but I think that the, the a lot of the most exciting projects and franchises will come at an, if there's If there's one thing that, that Netflix has proven to us over the last many years, it's been that most of the biggest hits are not the ones that you're expecting it to be. Nobody thought Stranger Things was going to be the biggest hit on television. Nobody thought Wednesday, which I guess is sort of from a pre-branded franchise. That's a, that, gonna... they went, that's a Netflix franchise play. They said, sure. we if we pour all our money into a, Net, into a Wednesday show, at least it's something people have heard of. Kind of. Listen, I mean, it's an Adams Family show. It, it, it works on different levels, but that's what yeah. it is. I mean, that's why they did that show. But the... You're you're sort of proving my point though, is that if if all of these franchises come out of nowhere, you need to take those bets. And I see fewer opportunities to make those bets in an environment right now where these companies are pulling back and being less risky about their development and what they're doing. 
the chances of the next franchise coming along uh, go down every time you make the choice to bet on something that you've already done. That is true. And it's it's very possible that we are headed into an era that is sort of creatively unfulfilling, both for the creative community and for the viewer. Yeah, you said that. You said that you were depressed. But I'm choosing to be optimistic in thinking that necessity is the mother of invention, as they say, where I just think that some great ideas will come out of this. And people are still buying original. I mean, you you talk to the heads of the different TV studios. They're still commissioning original ideas. They're still buying original series. As a share of their budget, is it down? Sure. Yeah, and they're also combing their libraries like they've never combed before. I mean, most of these libraries have been so picked over because this has been the strategy for the past 15 years it, to look in the library to see what we've got and then give it to someone who you think can figure it out. But that doesn't that doesn't bother me in the same way. It's because again, to go back to something like Wednesday, like sure, the Adams family, there were movies. It's been around, but that was a totally new spin on it. It was a fun show. It was well executed. I'm like, give us more Wednesdays. That's a great show. Like, what are we? What I'm not complaining about that. I'm complaining if if we wanted to be worried about it. It's like to your to to where we started getting three Marvel shows next year, all of which are interrelated with the three movies coming out, where if you just sort of pop in and watch it fresh, you're a little bit confused. That's a problem. Or as someone who grew up on the Star Wars movies, my level of excitement for new Star Wars TV shows is pretty low at this point. Yeah. Yeah, so you're all for reinvention. Were you a fan of Bel Air? I... I really should watch it because I loved <laughs> The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, and I have told it's myself... It's not the to, same. It's not... I mean... I know. I watched I've told myself I'm going to watch it and I really need to get get around. Uh, so that can be one of yeah. my, I mean, my my targets for the week after outing myself. Right. You said necessity is a mother of invention. I think these days in Hollywood, it's not that. It's necessity and a pre-existing framework is the mother of necessity here. Because you can sell a show to a broadcast network these days if it's got a title like true lies or like Hawaii five Oh, or, you know, any Matlock just sold. That's just going to be a legal procedural, but it's called Matlock because they need people to know what it's called. Yeah. Uh, that, and that's depressing to me. It's, it is, but I know, I understand it's the, but don't you think that's always been true to some extent? No, I don't. I think that there was a mar much. I mean, it, there, this has always happened. I mean, there, we can go cyclical. You know, yeah, but it's different now, especially in the in the streaming context. There is so much noise. There is so many options that you kind of the whole goal is to break through, and you can break through with quality. You can break through with stars. You can break through with critics, or you can break through with a pre existing franchise that people already know. If this, let me, let me give you this question: If Wednesday was just a show about a teenage girl with powers and she went off to a academy for, you know, would this show have been a hit? I have no idea. <laughs> I think it could have been. I'm not saying it definitely would have, but, but why not? Why not? Because there is a class of person that does not pay attention to this show unless it's called an Adams family show. I think you're really overestimating the importance of the Adams. I may be. There. Yeah, I may be. But my point is like, it got Tim Burton involved because of that. It got, you know, it got people to pay attention to it. Um, at the I kind of forgot level. it was an Adams family show until I started watching it. But it's got those things that have worked for 50 years. It's got the hand. It's got the mother daughter relationship. It's got all this stuff. 
Craig, would you have been into Wednesday if it was not Adam's family? I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I was only into it because of word of mouth. Yeah, it, was, it had nothing to do with the Adams family. Right, totally. I get it. All right. I just think that you give yourself that extra leg up if you've got the, the IP behind it. Uh, and I think that has been the mantra for a very long time, and it's not going to stop. And there will have to be some very, very prominent flops and strategies that go, go aground here before people stop doing this. But that was the strategy on the film side, or it has been the strategy on the film side for a very long time. And yeah. yet, even, even as that strategy was working on the movie side, on the TV side, there was this sort of unprecedented surge in original ideas mm -hmm. because yeah. companies had all this money and now they like they overspent and so they're having to retrench and there'll be yeah. fewer and they're gonna, you know, tie things together and all that. And then like in three years when they feel better about wherever their business is. They'll take a few more swings. Would you guys say you talk to your friends more about TV or movies nowadays? Oh, way TV. TV, of course, TV. Who, who talks about movies? Well, at least movies are singular and everybody can see them at the same time and talk about them. There's too many shows now to where I find myself not talking about TV with my friends anymore because we're all watching different things. But you know what? Everybody saw everything everywhere, so we can all talk about it. That's a rare example. Yeah. I think I think I I think generally TV and it it starts with like what are what have you been watching recently? Right. And you basically are to your point because there's too many. You're trading notes, trying to figure out oh if this person liked that one and I it's what happened with Wednesday. I heard good things from like enough different people and the the viewership was high enough. I was like yeah I have to check it out and I watched the first episode and it was great and so I kept watching it. Um, the movie thing, I mean, there's a it happened for me with certainly with Creed three. Where it's like there was definitely a little bit of a little bit of juice around that one, but that's pretty rare. Yeah, it's all TV for me. It's just what are you watching? Usually, whatever is you know the hit on Netflix or HBO, uh, and then like someone will say like, oh, you know, I I watched Poker Face on Peacock. Yeah, Peacock. Oh, I have Peacock. That kind of thing. Yeah, I'm long on movies. There's too many TV shows. Nobody can bond over them anymore. Everybody can go see John Wick Four. Yeah, you're but you're questing for the monoculture that will never come back. I, I am. Won't. But all right, Lucas, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. All right, we're back with the call sheet. Craig, before we get into this, I want to make a correction from last Thursday's show. Uh, we said that Netflix had more viewers for Stranger Things 4 than for Squid Game, uh, and that my prediction was right. It turns out, thanks to a helpful Netflix publicist who reached out, that's not the case. It got close. Stranger Things 4 got very close to Squid Game, but did not go over the top. Stranger Things as a whole, much more viewed than Squid Game, but not season four. I need to adjust your report card. You do? Yeah, my, my percentage will come down by one or two. That's right. Very sad. Although I got off to a good start this weekend with the Shazam 2 taking the under. That was sort of a debacle and did not perform. Came in at 30 million, way under the tracking at about 40 million. All right, now let's get to my prediction. Craig, are you aware of this movie, Flamin' Hot? No, I wasn't. It is a movie that premiered this weekend at South by Southwest about the origin of Flamin' Hot Cheetos. I guess I could get behind that. So yeah, it's, it's actually an interesting story because 
there's this whole great story about this guy who was a janitor or a custodian at Frito-Lay and he was Hispanic and he came up with the idea to put chili sauce or chili powder on their chips because that would appeal more to a Latin consumer. And there's this heartwarming story about how, you know, he tried to get his idea through, couldn't get it through. And finally, someone believed in him. And then he became, thanks to this discovery, an executive, a top executive at Frito-Lay. And it's a big heartwarming story. So they decided to make a movie about it. Eva Longoria directed this. It's her directorial debut. The reviews are pretty good. 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. But right before this movie went into production, there was an LA Times story that basically called bullshit on the entire thing and said that this guy's story was not really real. There were others at Frito-Lay that were developing more Latin-oriented products and the chili powder was not really his thing. Um, Yet they went ahead with the movie. Do you think this is something that Eva Longoria and the team knew all along, or did, this, did they find out just like everybody else did? I think they found out just like everyone else did, because it was based on a book. This, you know, this guy wrote a book, and then the LA Times story kind of called that book into question. Um, but it's pretty funny. So that, that has nothing to do with my prediction. My prediction is this movie was announced today that it is going not just to Hulu, but also to Disney+. Plus which is an interesting arrangement because it was produced by Searchlight, which is Disney's specialty movie arm. And the mandate for Searchlight was to make movies that go to Hulu. Now, this movie is going to Disney+. And I think that says a lot about the state of Hulu. So is it going to be on Hulu and Disney Plus at the same time? Yeah, yeah, same time. You know, we can read the tea leaves here because there's one argument that says, that, oh, they're just trying to bring a wider audience to this movie and they're trying to, you know, get uh, it's, it is more family friendly, I guess. It's a, you know, kind of inspirational story. But I think what this in- indicates is that Disney is no longer prioritizing exclusivity on Hulu because they are not necessarily trying to build up subscribers to Hulu. They are either going to be selling this platform or I believe they're going to fold it in to Disney Plus for an upcharge or something in the near future. So putting original exclusive content on Hulu and trying to build up the value of Hulu is not the priority anymore. Right, because people are going to be start thinking, well, why do I need Hulu if all the movies are just on Disney Plus? I mean, that's the I mean, every, assuming that a, an individual piece of content like this leads to a rush of subscribers, which I kind of doubt, but you know, it is value. It is a value add. They are saying, okay, well you can come in and subscribe to Disney plus too, to get this. You don't have to have Hulu. And that's a change because the other searchlight movies that went directly to Hulu were designed to build up Hulu Prey, that big predator movie yeah. that went direct to streaming last summer. That was a Hulu exclusive and it worked. It did well for them. So, you know, presumably if this, I don't think this movie would get anywhere near that. But it's a sign. I mean, it just points to the decision that Disney has to make on Hulu that's coming up. And no one knows what Bob Iger is going to do. But he has said all options are on the table with Hulu. And that means potentially selling it or potentially folding it in to Disney. Or uh, if they don't sell the Comcast, selling it to someone else. Um, it's It's a complicated situation. But Disney has basically been incentivized to not build up the value anymore of Hulu because it would just cost more to buy out Comcast. Um, but we'll see, what go, we'll see what happens here. Well, the movie Flamin' Hot, uh, the demographic they have covered is uh, 17-year-old high school students yes. who go to 7-Eleven every day, like my friends did. Yeah, it's a mix of Latin families and stoners. 
basically. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. That's the show for today. I want to thank Lucas Shaw for coming on. I want to thank producer Craig Horbeck. And I want to thank you. We will see you on Wednesday. 